I've had some preachers on my hat for about, oh, I don't know, a year, which I've been building up. But this one is, is quite fresh. It came about two weeks ago. Somebody said something somewhere, and I thought, oh, I want to, I want to talk about that. God's promises. The promises of God. I want to speak to so. Well, people are still settling down. Let's get Second Peter chapter 1. 2 Peter chapter 1. I want to read a couple of verses there. Just verse 3 and 4, I think. This is what Peter said. 2 Peter chapter 1, verse 3 and 4. By His divine power, God has given us everything we need for living a godly life. We have received all of this by coming to know Him, the one who called us to himself by means of his marvelous glory and excellence. And because of his glory and excellence, he has given us great and precious promises. These are the promises that enable you to share his divine nature and escape the world's corruption caused by human desire. It's okay, they're not torturing them or anything. This, that just, that's what they do. Peter said here that we are coming to know him. That's Jesus, obviously. Your translation might say a knowledge of him. This is not just a, an intellectual knowledge. This is not just something that we think or believe in our heads. This is a, a deep discernment. Amen. It's a discernment of the Holy Spirit to know him, to really have a relationship with him and only by coming to know him and have this relationship with him are we able then to have everything for living this godly life that's what Peter says and that's when he says we have these promises in that life all through knowing him and so as we're talking about promises this afternoon let's realize that these promises are for his children who know him really know him you see in this we live in this corrupt world and our commitments and our promises often fail because we are of this corrupt world but God is not of this corrupt world so his promises cannot fail because it's according, not to this corrupt world, as Peter said, but according to his glory and his excellence. So I started off by looking at God's promises and finding out what the definition of a promise is. And this is it. A promise is a declaration that a person will do or refrain from doing something which they specify. A promise can be a legally binding declaration that gives the person to whom it is made the right to expect or to claim the performance specified. So you can make a verbal contract by promise. So two or three people can make a promise or a covenant with each other and as long as it's witnessed, that is a verbal contract, a promise. But there's a rider to that and that's this. The person making the promise must be able and have it within their power 
to deliver the promise. So I could promise you here today, every single one of you, one million pound next week, next Sunday, okay? But it's not legal and binding because I haven't got the means to do that. Do you believe that? Yeah. The way you dress today, yeah, of course, yeah. That's not legal and binding because I haven't got within my capacity to be able to keep that promise. But God, when He makes a promise, He has everything with His capacity to keep that promise. And there are hundreds of those promises within Scripture. I want to look at, first of all, what God does not promise. Which if you listen to a lot of preachers today and a lot, especially on the, on the TV, they, they will tell you that this is God's promise for you. And actually, I can't really see it in Scripture from, from my point of view. The one thing is that you will be financially wealthy. They use the word prosperity. You will prosper and you will have wealth. If you love the Lord, if you follow Him, if you're close to Him, if you're faithful to Him. Well, uh, mm, when you really study the Word of God and get into the Scriptures, it doesn't say that you're going to be financially wealthy. In fact, it says be very careful of money because the love of money is the root of all evil. If this was the case, and I just look at it logically, if this was the case, then all the early apostles, those that walked with Jesus, those that lived a long time after his death, there were majority of them martyred, they would have been some of the most wealthiest people that ever lived, wouldn't they? Well, they weren't. The apostle Paul, he taught and he said, I am content in whatever state I am, whether I have a little or whether I have a lot. He also taught that it's good for those who are going around preaching the gospel like he was, to take some money from the churches that they go around and he lived off some gifts. That's how he lived. If you want to read what he thought about people who tried to get wealthy through, through godliness, as he called it, just go and read 1 Timothy chapter 6 and see what he says about those people who want to become rich through godliness. So I don't really buy into God has promised you wealth. He's promised to prosper us. Yeah. But where does that come? Prosperous could be prosperous in, in, in spirit. Yeah. I could be prosperous in my life with good family, good health. That's prosperous. You go to the third world and you, or you go into some of these places where there's not much wealth around. They're prosperous, those Christians. They love the Lord, but they haven't got a mansion and, a, and an airplane and a, and a Rolls Royce. You see, a lot of this comes out of America, which is the land of plenty. We've got to be very careful of some of these things that are being taught. I believe in spiritual prosperity. Yes. Amen. He hasn't promised us that we will have a trouble-free life. He hasn't promised us that we will never have any problems, distress or sickness. He never promised that. But you listen to some Christians and that's how we should be. Shouldn't have any problems, shouldn't have any sickness, shouldn't have any troubles. That's not what he promised. He's promised he will be with us through sickness. He'll be with us through difficulties. 
He will give us peace in the storm. John 16 and verse 33 says, I have told you all this so that you may have peace in me. Here on earth you will have many trials and sorrows, but take heart because I have overcome the world. That's what Jesus said. He will be our peace in the storm. And the secret is to trust him. Trust the will of God. That Jesus even prayed that himself. Not my will, but your will be done. The first epistle of John, chapter 5, verse 14. According, sorry, this is the confidence that we have in approaching God. That if we ask anything according to his will, he hears us. According to his will. And I can say, looking back over my life, God has been faithful. And I'm sure many people could stand and say how faithful God has been over, over their life. Yes, He is faithful. And through difficulties, Amen. and through sadness, and through trials, He's been there. The Apostle Paul said this. I love these verses. 2 Corinthians chapter 1. I'm going to read from verse 19 down to 20. For Christ Jesus, the Son of God, does not waver between yes and no. He is the one whom Silas, Timothy, and I preached to you. And as God's ultimate yes, he always does what he says. For all of God's promises have been fulfilled in Christ with a resounding yes. And through Christ, our amen, which means yes, ascending to God for his glory. The promises of God not only come through Christ, but are fulfilled in Christ. It's all through Christ. Can you imagine God the Father saying no to Christ? Your version may say there he is yes and amen. Amen means so be it. It will happen. He stands by his word. And this is what we got to get into our heads. God does not lie. When he says he will fulfill his promises, he will fulfill them. Joshua 21 and verse 45. Not a single one of all the good promises the Lord had given to the family of Israel was left unfulfilled. Everything he spoke came true. Yes, some of the promises took several years. They took a long time to, to be fulfilled. But they were fulfilled. Sometimes when a promise is delayed, we think it's, it's denied. It's not, not, it's not necessarily the truth. We tend to work on our time scales. We tend to panic. We, we tend to get restless and think that God's forgotten his promises. He hasn't forgotten. It's impossible for him to forget. Only our sins and he, he decides to do that. Sometimes we want God to perform in our way. We want God to perform right away. But remember, His promises and His word will be fulfilled according to His own timetable and not ours. Not ours. You know, we've, I don't think there's anyone here that who could say that they've never broken a promise to be somewhere at a certain time, to do something, to promise this, to be faithful there or do that. We do fail. Because we are, we are fallible. And we are imperfect. Because we are human. 
We were born into sin. That's part of our nature. But God is infallible. He is perfect. He does not make mistakes. And as I was looking into this more and more, and then started looking at what He has promised us, and I'm going to look at that right now. I'm going to look at about 10 different, and those are just scratching the surface of God's promises to us, what He has actually given us, what He's actually said He will do for us. So I've got a bit of a PowerPoint, and Mike's going to bang it up, and I'm going to go through it quite quickly because I don't want to spend a lot of time on this, but I would just want to go through the promises. And if you want to write them down, then you just need to just hang on to these. And I just talked about 10 or, 10 or 11, I think it is. The first one, he promised that he will be close to us and he will help us. He said, I will never leave you. I will never forsake you. Jesus said in Matthew 11, come to me all you are weary and burdened and I will give you rest. You see when God says, when he says that I will give you, that's it. he's promising that. He can't go back on that. You've said it. I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you. Learn from me for I am gentle and humble in heart. You will find rest for your souls. Philippians 4 verse 19. This, this is what it says there. And the same God who takes care of me will supply all your needs according from his riches in glory in Christ Jesus. He is close by. I don't know if I put this one up there. Isaiah 55 verse 6. Seek the Lord while you can, while you can find him. Call on him while he is near. He is near now. He's as close as he'll ever get. Amen. And he's not playing hard to get. You know, he's not playing hide and seek. Now you see me, now you don't. He's right in plain view going, here I am. Come to me. You know, you just want to read, I think it's through Romans 1, where it says we have no excuse not to find him. No excuse not to know him. God has promised salvation. He's promised salvation to us. To all who believe. The greatest promise is salvation. Romans 10 and verse 9. If you confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. You will be saved. It's a confession. It's a belief. It's a lifestyle. It's living that lifestyle. It goes in and it has to come out. And there is salvation in that. Believe in the Lord Jesus Christ. That's his promise. His promise is salvation. He's promised new life. Amen. This means anyone who belongs to Christ has now become a new person. The old has gone, a new life has begun. We just heard earlier. And, and, and when Claire was speaking, Carol said to me, Well, God's just dropped that in my heart as well. I don't need to say it anymore. This is spring, it's new life. You've got new life. He's promised that. And if he's promised it, he can't take it back. You have a new life. God promised that through his word that all things will work together. And we know that God causes all things to work together for the good of those who love God and are called according to his purpose. This is a broad picture of everything in our lives. Yep, difficult times, difficult circumstances, but they can all be worked out. He promised to finish the work that he's already started. Philippians 1 and verse 6. I'm certain that God who began the good work within you will continue his work until it is finally finished on the day when Christ Jesus returns. You see, we are imperfect. We are being perfected, the Bible says. 
And we need to be getting closer, building that relationship. And he has promised that he will not neglect us. He will continue this work in us. God doesn't do anything by half measures. He fulfills his promises. He promised peace when we pray, when we ask. Philippians 4, verse 6 and 7. Then you will experience God's peace, when, which exceeds anything that we can understand. His peace will guard your hearts and minds as you live in Christ Jesus. Jesus also said that he will give us peace. He said, my peace I give to you. So you can have a peace in the storm. I remember, I think I've used this illustration before, just dropped into my mind. Someone was asked, there was a competition to draw or paint a peaceful scene. And the competition went out, I think it was um, to a lot, many, many painters. And they all painted this peaceful scene. And the judges came and they had all these very tranquil lakes. They had skies and snow and all these different things of peace. But then they come across this one of a, of a storm. It was a raging storm. And at first glance they thought, well, this, this is not peace. But as they looked further at this painting, they could see in a tree shaded under a rock that there was a bird's nest and there was a bird sat in the nest feeding its young. And the, the painting was entitled Peace in the Storm. And that's the one that won it. Because sometimes we think of peace, don't we, as everything fine, everything calm, everything tranquil. But peace is when you have peace in the storm. No matter what happens around us. Yeah, it could be a tranquil life that you live in and you have peace. Or it could be trouble, but you could still have peace. He says he gives us our, his peace. He gives us his peace. He promised to, to supply all our needs. Matthew 6 Verse 30, so don't worry about these things, saying what will we eat or what will we drink, what will we wear. These things dominate the thoughts of unbelievers, but your heavenly Father already knows your needs. Seek the kingdom of God before all else and live righteously, and he will give you everything you need. So don't worry about tomorrow, for tomorrow brings its own worries. Today's troubles is enough for today. Notice he said needs and not wants. We want a lot, don't we? But he will supply. And if he says he will supply, he will supply. He's promised us abundant life, a full life, a free life. John 10.10, 10, the thief comes only to steal and kill and destroy, but I have come that you might have life and have it in all its fullness, have it abundantly. We can leave boring behind. There's no reason why we should live a boring life. Not in Christ. He says, I want you to live a full life. You've heard me say it so many times. I believe in, in life after death, but I believe in life before death as well. Amen. He promised eternal life. He said, those who drink the water that I give will never be thirsty again. It becomes a fresh bubbling spring within them, giving them eternal life. He promised power through the Holy Spirit. And you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes upon you. 
These are the, the promises that contained in the scriptures that are God breathed, God spoken. You can't go back on that. Jesus promised that he will return. John 14 and verse 2. Amen. He's going to come back and take us to be with himself. That's a promise. You know, these are just some. I think I went about through about 11 then. These are just some of the promises that he's made. And the scriptures are full of them. Full of promises. Did you know? I don't know how many people know that. A lot of people would know it. But every time you see a rainbow, it's a promise. Yes. Every time you see a rainbow. And do you know what? I, I, I did a bit of research in rainbows. It's a bit of a phenomenon. They can't really explain it. They try and they say about water refraction and everything. But the bow is difficult. Did you know that if the earth didn't get in the way, that would be a full circle? It's only because it's broken by the earth that it, it ends up in a bow. And usually... And this is, I, I checked this out as well. Usually there's two. There's usually one within another. They are, they are phenomenal. We get used to them now, don't we? Oh, rainbow, nice, yeah. Let me read what it says in Genesis when God flooded the earth. And he said this afterwards, Genesis 9 and verse 12. I'm going to read down to uh, verse 17. Have a sip of water as well. This is after the flood. And when they were out of the ark, Noah and, and his family. And then God did, made this promise. I'm giving you a sign of my covenant with you and for all living creatures, for all generations to come. I have placed my bow or my rainbow in the clouds. It is a sign of my covenant with you and with all the earth. When I send clouds over the earth and the rainbow will appear in the sky, in the clouds and I will remember my covenant with you and all living creatures never again will I with the floodwaters destroy all life when I see the rainbow in the clouds I will remember the eternal covenant between God and every living creature on earth then God said to Noah yes this rainbow is a sign of the covenant I am confirming with all creatures on earth that's you and me as well what do you do when you need to remind yourself of something we used to tie knots in handkerchiefs, didn't we? We used to tie a knot in a handkerchief. And then you have, you have the handkerchief. Oh, I tied a knot in that for something. What was that for now? And you can't remember. Now we have these little devices in our pockets and we, we put a date in there or whatever and, and it pops up on there. and it, rem it reminds us of something that we have to do. Do you know what this, re this rainbow is? It's a reminder to God. Not to us. It's a sign to us, but he says, not that he would ever forget, but it's very symbolic. He says, when I see the rainbow, I remember. It's not for us to remember, or thank you God, it's a sign for us, but God actually says, when I see the rainbow, I will remember. So next time you see a rainbow, just go, thank you God. I do, I tend to do it now. I tend to do it, I just look at a rainbow and just say, thank you God. It's a phenomenon. can hardly be explained. But it's God said, I will never do that again. Do you know what our part to play is in these covenants that God has made with us, in these promises that he's made with us? Our part is very simple. Just trust and obey. 
Trust him and obey. Do as he says today and trust him for tomorrow. But that is so hard for us. It's so hard because sometimes tomorrow seems so far away. And then it's hard to obey today. See, obedience to what he says is, is vital. And sometimes we think that God has, has broken his promises. But if we never see something happening that we believe God has in store for us, it may be because we've broken our end of the bargain. Because a lot of these promises and these covenants are conditional on us. Trust today. Obey today. Ready for tomorrow. I want to read some verses from Romans 15, uh, verse 4. Such things were written in the Scriptures long ago to teach us, and the Scripture gives us hope and encouragement as we wait patiently for God's promises to be fulfilled. There is a waiting time. I remember speaking once and, and doing a bit of a study on waiting times. We don't like waiting, do we? We're in a, in a society where everything is quick. Quick food, tap of a button, this, and do that. You know, it's so easy these days to do things. We don't like waiting. Do you, do you, oh, I had a bit of a wait this week. I, I'm, we needed a new passport for, for Evie. Um, she needs to get a new passport. Don't, don't worry about the details. So I filled it all in, got it all done, made sure it was correct. I took it to the post office to get it checked, you know, as you do. I don't know how much it is now, it was seven quid or something for them to check it, make sure it was right. And as, I, as she was checking through it, I said, I need this back in three weeks. We go into Spain in three weeks. That's why I can't go to that event on Saturday, be in Spain, three weeks' time. And she said, look, love, she said, I'm not going to charge you because you won't get it back in three weeks. She said, I've had a look at it. It's okay. Take it straight down to the passport office. I went, oh, okay. Next day, straight down to the passport office. Got down there. I said, oh, I'm just handing in my passport form. Just wait there, sir. We'll have a look at it now in a minute. I started waiting. There's loads of people there. All had the same idea. I don't know what's going on. They, I think it's something to do with this Brexit thing. And they, we, gotta, we all had to wait. We all had to wait. And then he said to me, when do you want it back by? He said, three weeks. He went, I'm going to get it back in three weeks. He said, six weeks. I said, oh, behave. <laughs> I said, no. I, I said to Evie, I said, you know, come in, love. We'll go without you. So I said, how can I get it done quicker? She said, he said, you can make an appointment to see someone and get it done. I said, okay, I'm in the passport office now. I'll make an appointment, I said. Make me an appointment now. Oh, no, no, you can't do that here. What? what? I said, I'm here now. Just make the appointment. No, 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 no. You've got to do that online. You feeling my frustration? So I went outside, tick, 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 on my phone, made an appointment, went back and said, I've got an appointment tomorrow. So I went, back, I went back the next day. Went back the next day. And this is all me now being patient, waiting. <laughs> I went back the next day, seen the same guy, said, got an appointment, showed him my phone, got an appointment, yes, coming in, sir. I was the only one in there. 
I had to hand in all my phone and everything, do all that. Take a ticket, sir. Oh, take a ticket. <laughs> one, nine, eight. Sat down, only one in there, sat down. One, nine, eight, come to the reception. <laughs> that was me. I was the only one in there. So I had to sit down. She, went, she had to look at it, she went, yeah, that's okay, you'll have that in a week. 147 pound later, the passport arrived two days later. I thought, why, why can't we do it like that every time? What's going on? But my patience was tested. <laughs> and you know what? That's what we're like. We get like that with everything, don't we? We want it now. And we get like that with God a little bit. God, you promised I want it now. Where is it? And he's going... Be a little patient. Yeah. Be a, we should change that word. Be a little patient. We've got to have patience for him to fulfill things in his time scale. We don't understand his plans. He doesn't tell us all his plans. Why doesn't he tell us? Because we wouldn't cope with them. He knows. Trust him. Trust him. Second Peter chapter 1 and verse 5. One of my favorite uh, passages of Scripture. We read this in prayer meeting the other night, and I thought, oh, I'm going to add this into this preach. Second Peter chapter 1 verse 5. Stand in verse 5. In view of all this, make every effort to respond to God's promises. So this is how we respond to His promises, right? By supplementing your faith with a generous provision of moral excellence. And moral excellence with knowledge, we said about knowledge earlier, and knowledge with self-control, and self-control with patient endurance, and patient endurance with godliness, and godliness with brotherly affection, and brotherly affection with love for everyone. So, we respond to God's promises by adding things to our lives, by becoming more like Him, by getting closer to Him, by responding to his love and generosity to us. Being perfected. You know, when you have your phone, you have it with the default setting, then you add all these things to it, don't you? All these good things that you like and, and helps you in your daily life. This is what God is saying. Add some stuff. Add a bit more. This is what Peter said right in the beginning. He said, you get to, need to get to know him. You need to build your relationship with him. Because this is what we have for our daily living with God. And this is how all the promises are fulfilled in us. So what's God's part in all this? We know our part. We know that he's, what he's said. God's part is being faithful to his word. Simple as that. He is faithful. To what he says because it's impossible for him not to be God's word is creative by the word of his mouth he created the heavens he spoke it and it became something he speaks it and it happens he's a creative God he can create things in your life he can create beautiful things in your life when you think there is nothing there well, God, I've got nothing for you to work with. 
I've got nothing for you to hang these promises on, but I can still do something, God says. Because I'm a creative God. By the word of my mouth, I can speak it. And it will happen. We need to trust and obey because he is faithful to his word. Have you ever noticed on the, a banknote? If you've got a banknote, you don't have to get one out now. Is, it says on there that I promise to pay the bearer on demand the sum of £10, if it says that on it. If someone like Steve Amster, it'd be £50 probably. <laughs> but the chief cashier makes this promise on the strength of the authority of the Bank of England. If you want to see a £50 note, go and ask a few people. I don't know, there's a few people who got £50 notes here. I can see them around. <laughs> Not me. But God doesn't have to make his promise by anyone. He swears his authority by himself, on himself. He doesn't have to look at any greater authority. The chief cashier makes it on the authority of the Bank of England. I want to read these verses from Hebrews 6. Hebrews 6 and verse 16 to 20. Listen to this. I love this. Now when people make an oath, they call on someone greater than themselves to hold them to it. And without any question, that oath is binding. God also bound himself with an oath so that those who received the promise could be perfectly sure that he would never change his mind. So God has given us both his promise and his oath. These two things are unchangeable because it is impossible for God to lie. Therefore, we who have fled to him for refuge can have great confidence as we hold to the hope that lies before us. This hope is a strong and trustworthy anchor for our souls. It leads us through the curtain into God's inner sanctuary. Jesus has already gone there for us. He swears an oath by himself, on himself. There is no one greater. And we have this anchor, this confidence, this hope in him. That's why we can say, I know in who I believe. That's why we can sing that song. I have an anchor. We don't sing it anymore. I have an anchor that keeps me solid. Have you seen on the news the, uh, the, the cruise ship that's gone a bit array somewhere? Karen and I are going on a cruise very soon. It's not on that same cruise line. But did you hear what they said, how they stabilized themselves? The, they said the captain was very quick thinking. When everything went started going wrong, he dropped the anchors. Boom. So that they would stop them drifting. Anchors were very prominent in the day when this was written. We have an anchor. Stops us drifting around. Stops us being tossed around by the waves. We have an anchor. And it's not anchored down, it's anchored up to him. That's our hope. It's not one of these flimsy, oh, I hope it's okay. It's a solid hope. It's, a, it's a, an anchor for our souls. We are anchored upward to heaven. And no matter how intelligent we think we are, no matter how much we study theology or try to understand God and His ways or try to explain it, we will never do it. 
We will never get to the bottom of everything that God has promised for us and, and what He's written for us. And I believe sometimes God loves He loves us to study. But sometimes He just smiles and says, Why well, are you just scratching the surface? He's got so much there, so much information. I, I love these verses from Paul in Romans 11. You know, the great apostle. He's trying to explain the mystery of, of Israel and the church. He's trying to explain how they both have promises and plans and how they are both important. And he just comes to this conclusion in the end. Romans 11, verse 33. He says, Oh, how great are God's riches and wisdom and knowledge. How impossible it is for us to understand his decisions and his ways. For who can know the Lord's thoughts? Who knows enough to give him advice? And who has given him so much that he needs to pay it back? For everything comes from him and exists by his power and is intended for his glory. All glory be to him forever. He just holds his hands up and says, hey, I don't know everything. Who knows? Only God does. But what he is, he's true to his word. If he says it, he's not lying. And we went through some of those promises throughout Scripture. He's promised them. You see, grace and goodness, and I'm just coming to a, a close now. Grace and goodness are His plans for us. But they defy all common sense because we don't deserve that. How can we fully understand how God can be merciful to sinners, people who turn their back on Him? Common sense would, would say that He doesn't need to give us any favors. But yet he does, because of his goodness, because of his mercy, because of his grace, because grace and mercy and goodness and forgiveness, they speak a different language to us. They speak a heavenly language. They speak a, an eternal language. They speak a godly language. And our common sense doesn't come into it. We cannot fathom that. That's why grace is so amazing. Back in the Old Testament, Numbers 23 and verse 19 says, God is not a man that he should lie. He's not human, so he does not change his mind. Has he ever spoken and failed to act? Has he ever promised and not carried it through? You see, the God who created the universe with his words speaks to you. The hands that touched and healed the sick are the same hands that hold you. The love that gave sacrificially and conquered death and hell loves you. It's the same God. I just want to ask Lawrence if he'd just come back up and we'll just finish with some worship and just realize that we need to put our trust in his promises. We need to trust his words. We need to trust the word. All our job is, is to obey today and trust Him for tomorrow. And when we read these promises in Scripture, know that they're for you, they're for everyone. Next time you see a rainbow, say, thank you, God. Get to know Him better. 
add to your faith these things that will bring us closer to Him. Let's worship Him and let's thank Him.